Hi, friends. I'm Mandy. And I'm Missy. And we're the Wayward Homesteaders. In this podcast, we will talk about homesteading and homeschooling. We will cover topics like food preservation, gardening, unschooling, and all the things we enjoy doing with our families. Grow with us as we talk about creating a homestead full of poop, plants, permaculture, and everything in between. Hey friends, this is Mandy from Chapel Hill Forge. And this is Missy from Homesteading Roots. Today we're going to talk about what we're going to change in our gardens for next year. So last week we talked about our garden fails and our garden bloopers and all the things that we feel like we should have known were going to go wrong. Um, This week we're going to talk about what our plans are for next year. So if you're like Missy and I, which I have a feeling most of you probably are, by the time you get to like halfway maybe a little more than halfway through your garden season whatever that looks like in your zone you already are looking at things and figuring out what next year is going to look like and how it's going to be different so for me by the time we get to like the beginning of august i pretty much know what failed what i want to change what i want to do differently for missy you know she sort of had these revelations a couple months ago because her growing season starts much earlier than ours being in florida um so Missy's going to talk to you a little bit about what she would change if they were staying in Florida um, and then what her plan is once they get settled here in Pennsylvania, what their garden's going to look like. Okay. So as we explained last week, some of the bloopers that I had is, um, you know, the number one being that I ran out of room in my raised beds, which I then had to buy the felt um, pots to do, to hold my tomatoes and that kind of stuff. So one of the things that I would change um, with that would be to not plan to plant as much. I kind of went overboard and got really excited and didn't know, um, you know, what little space we did have. We made the best of it, um, but I did overplan. So um, plus with the climate, you know, it gets so hot so quick and I wasn't used to that, that I should have purchased shade cloth for most of my tomato and pepper plants and, um, I didn't do that. So we, we lost pretty much all of those because of that. Um, what, the other when thing do you be, feel like you'd have to put the shade cloth out? Like you started your plants outside in like February, right? Yeah. Um, probably April, end of April, beginning of May. And then so crazy. It is crazy. And like, I was used to, you know, back home in Pennsylvania, like right now is kind of like the prime time for tomatoes, um, you know, to be producing. Well, that was about a month ago for us. So I should have had shade cloth this entire time, but I didn't and it got really hot and scorched them. So that was a total fail. Um, the other thing was labeling my plants and I tried huh. really hard, <laughs> tried really hard this year. I bought little special labels and had a Sharpie that was designated for the labels and I did good starting out, but then when I got to my last bed, I was kind of like, I'll just remember what's in here. Well, no, that didn't happen. Never. So. Biggest lie you'll tell yourself. Exactly. So that's one that I would definitely change. And if I were staying here, I would not cold stratify seeds. That was a huge waste of time and resources and not a single seed that I cold stratified came up. So I would just go on with whatever and not cold stratify them. Have you um, found any other gardeners like in your neighborhood or like when you're at the farmer's market? Like I wonder if other people cold stratify. I haven't. I really haven't asked, but I don't know. Like everything I was researching online at the time was like, oh, if you live in, you know, zones eight through 10, you know, cold stratifying your seeds um, ensures an abundant supply of fruit or whatever so I'm like oh okay well this is new so of course I like dug 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 into it 
and researched all I could about cold stratifying, bought all the supplies to do it, all the seeds. Well, not a single seed, even mint. Are you kidding me? You can right. grow mint when you're not even trying to. Right. Yeah. So would would not be doing that again. That was definitely a waste of time and resources um, that could have been, you know, on other things. But Right. No abundance here. No, none. Um, so I guess with our upcoming garden if we move and end up back in Pennsylvania I hope that I would kind of remember how to do it there Um, we are more than likely going to be purchasing a property sight unseen which means you know we're not going to be able to see the property before we purchase it because we live 1500 miles away and you know if, if if it's in like a maybe like an hour or something our realtor would drive she would drive to or it still right or is that mandy and but still it's still viewing it you know on the phone or over facetime whatever so basically what we're looking for with purchasing a home is there room to have a garden like we're hoping that the garden's going to produce most of our food um so is there room to have a garden are we going to be doing raised beds or are we going to do in ground which I would like to do raised beds only because I hate weeding and um, I just feel like it's easier on my back Mm -hmm. instead of being bent over all the time. Um, My husband's probably more an in-ground sower, but he's not, I mean, he's fine with the raised beds. So we would have to like have to think about, okay, if we're having raised beds, you know, the size of them, getting the materials for them, where we're going to place them. Um, The other things we have to, look for would be like shading you know is our yard shaded most of the day or what hours of the day is it not shaded um you know where where does the sun you know sit all day long as far as you know the plants that you're going to be planting in the raised beds or in the ground um what else drainage drainage would be if we were doing Mm -hmm. in-ground planning um we'd have to you know be able to see where the drainage is and how the rain and everything washes down um pest control yes water source um pest control you know are we gonna have to have it by is it gonna be by the woods where it's accessible to deer and you know that kind of stuff um uh what else oh another thing that i okay this might be me dreaming but i want to have my garden close to my house Mm -hmm. i want to be able to go out my kitchen door over to the garden and pick the herbs that I want for dinner or pick my tomatoes. I don't want to have to like trudge across the property or get on the side by side and like travel to the garden. You know, I feel like I would use things more if it was right outside my kitchen window. So they're just some of the things that um, we're thinking of as we're looking to purchase our next homestead. Um. Homesteading family has on it. It's a podcast, but it's also a YouTube video um, that I just listened to. It's a little bit older. It's maybe from the winter, but they talk about different zones within your homestead. So like zone one, you'd want to have your kitchen garden and like your chickens. You can gather the eggs and then zone two, maybe you have like your milk cow and I I don't know your other garden, like your bigger garden. And then zone three, maybe that's where your pigs are. And, um, that, that might not be exactly accurate, but figure out what the zones look like for your house. And so I love that you mentioned that because like Jess always talks about Jess at uh, Roots and Refuge always talks about her like kitchen garden. I think she calls it a kitchen garden too. Mm -hmm. Um, right outside the door with the herbs and all that. And like my garden is, I don't know, a few hundred feet from my door, which 
is fantastic. I mean, I love it. And it's always at the front of my mind. I can't mm-hmm. exactly see it from the front door, but it's not like I know I'm going to walk out there and I got a wheelbarrow back, like, you know, a million pounds of tomatoes or something. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're just some of the things that we're considering as we're looking at property. I don't think that we're not necessarily looking at a property being like, okay, this is perfect because we can do a garden. Like we realize that there's probably going to be situations where we might have to, you know, not put the garden there and put it over here, or it's not going to be right outside my kitchen door, or, you know, we might have to take some brush down or, you know, put pigs or sheep or whatever in there to clear it before we can turn it into a garden. And, you know, one of the um, questions that my husband brought up for one house that we were looking at, it looked like in the one picture that there was a lot of shale. So, you know, that's a situation where you would want to do raised beds. So it's kind of, it's, it's a struggle, but it's just something that, you know, we're dealing with and that we're preparing ourselves for, because that's one of the things that we wanted to get, we want to get started as soon as we move is get our garden, you know, designated where it's going to be and what we're growing so that we can start bringing in food for the family. Right. So if you guys do an in-ground garden, you want to touch um, just a little bit about till, no till, what your plan is for that? Yeah. So if we do in-ground, we would definitely um, be doing no till. We would probably be doing the like the tarps, um, Jess from Roots and Refuge, they did, she has a whole um, YouTube video on about like how they laid out their tarps and, you know, measured. And so we would do that to kill the grass. Um, and then you can do some tilling, like you can do like low tilling or high tilling. Um, we talked about maybe depending on, you know, if it's real clumpy or clay or whatever, um, you would have to do some sort of tilling, but we would do probably high tilling. We don't want to get down low and like disturb the microbes and the earth um, worms and, you know, slice them in half and all that that's there. But um, we would we would probably do some sort of high tilling. Um, so yeah. like scratching the surface. essentially. Yeah, basically. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And um, so Missy got to kind of play in my raised bed garden when she was here. Um, gosh, oh, my gosh, that was like almost two months month and a half ago now I guess yeah Um, and raised beds are really just life-changing I mean we the first year we were we gardened at this property we tried to do an in-ground garden and I didn't know anything at the time we had our neighbor come over with his tractor and he tilled it all up and I'm like oh great now I have these massive clumps of clay like what am I supposed to do with this um and so that was just and I, I didn't know, like, I didn't know about tarping to kill the grass. I didn't know about like building up soil layers, <clears throat> excuse me, building up soil layers and things like that. Um, obviously I knew like, Oh, put compost on, but I just didn't know what we could do besides tilling at the time. And anyway, switching to raised beds has been, I don't know. It just feels more organized also right. to me. Um, like, I feel like I can just make like a nice little map and like whatever, um, which is going to be on my list of things I'll change. Let me tell you. So <laughs> if we're talking about the things that we're going to change, um, my mapping and labeling and all that. So I, ugh, I we've talked about this before. I, I don't label things that go in the freezer. I usually label <laughs> jars that go on the shelf. I'm just so like willy nilly when it comes to these things. I know that's just maybe not the right attitude, but I made this nice map. Like I, I laid out a nice little thing like on Google. Uh, what do they call it? Whatever their p- version of PowerPoint is. 
laid out all my nice little rectangles. It was like mostly to scale-ish. And I printed several copies because I knew I'd changed my plan a hundred times in the middle of February when all the seed catalogs were rolling in. January or whatever. And so I had this beautiful map. Well, it's not like I took a picture of it. I didn't like scan it in. I didn't do anything responsible like that. I just sat it on my garden seed toolbox and moved along. Well, you know, didn't my toddler like totally destroy it, put it in water? What did it even say? I have no clue. So I generally know where things are. I know these are tomatoes and I know these are gourds and I know, you know, this is uh, whatever mint or whatever. Um, Do I know what specific kinds they are? Mm, Sure don't. So some of my, thankfully I planted some really unique kinds of things like from Baker Creek. So like I can tell that like, okay, these are violet Jasper tomatoes and they're heirloom. And I know I can save those seeds. And like, these are whatever cucumbers and I can save these, but some of the other things, uh, you know, I mean, your guess is as good as mine as far as what kind it actually is. So I need to do a better job. Like next year I Type it into the computer and not be lazy and not just write it on a piece of paper and then stash it in the toolbox. I need to actually have it like a backup copy of what is happening for when Jameson destroys it. So that's one. As far as labeling goes, I tried to do some like in-garden labeling last year and I aborted that mission because again, Jameson just comes through and pulls them all out. So I probably wouldn't change labeling in the garden in that I'm not actually going to put labels physically in the dirt. I'll just have it on the map and kind of know where things are there. And man, it is so defeating because I had all these different gourds and squashes and I painstakingly like I started all these seeds I had all these beautiful gourd plants I like wrote down every single one and you know most of these gourds have like two or three names and they're like long and like it was this time consuming thing and then Jameson destroyed my map and I have no clue what's down there now um so definitely need to change that my gourds so um if you've listened to any of our other podcasts you know that the top thousand feet of our garden square feet is the raised beds and then the bottom one is a raised bed but it's one large raised bed and i love the look of it it looks fantastic missy helped me put some trellis in when she was here um but now that we're kind of getting deeper into garden season i'm realizing that it's casting too much shade so where the gourds are growing up over the trellis and it looks beautiful and the gourds that are coming off of the trellis are doing fantastic the stuff that's underneath that crawled the ground instead of going up the trellis it's staying too wet and it's all rotting so i've gotten a few salvageable gourds off of the ground squashes and things Um, my birdhouse gourds that are on the trellis are doing fantastic they look so cool i love it um but I need to change that for next year. So my thinking is that I will put some shade tolerant things underneath of my trellis. So I'll plant my gourds and my squashes right along the base of the trellis so that they are forced to climb. Um, And, you know, you say, Oh, I'm going to go train this and train that and whatever. When it all starts overgrowing, you don't know what the hell is what and who is where and whatever. So I'm going to very, intentionally put those gourds right at the base of the trellis and then underneath i'm hoping i could extend my growing season on things like uh, maybe spinach or whatever because it'll have some shade um it'll just be a little bit of an experiment to figure out what i can put underneath that is going to be happy in a little bit damper cooler climate um so that's what i'm changing for the bottom for sure Um, I also experimented with putting herbs along the edge of my bed, but 
here again, my gourds took all of them over. I think I have like a couple dill and maybe a calendula. Um, and the rest of them just were totally overtaken by the gourds that spread out on the bottom. So I will try to put the herbs along the edges again. And my thought is that if the gourds are growing up over the trellis, they won't be overtaking my herbs. We'll see. I'd also like to do some more potted herbs. The herbs that I did in pots are doing great. I have some mullion. Um, I forget what else. I have mint in some pots. Um, I did like a little huckleberry bush. And I realize that's not an herb. But I did that in a pot and it did fantastic. <clears throat> so hoping to do some more potted things with that. I thought this year that I would do a bunch of pest deterrent things and intercropping and companion planting and whatever. And it looks nice when everything is six inches tall, but when your tomatoes are seven feet indeterminate tomatoes and you can't even find your basil. Um, <laughs> now, some of the ones that we pruned, Missy helped me do some pruning when we were here. I can get to that basil. I'm doing some experimenting with pruning and not pruning tomatoes and whatever. And obviously the ones I haven't pruned, I don't even know where that basil is. It's lost. Um, so I will probably very, again, intentionally plant like a bed of basil just near my tomatoes and then maybe intercrop some basil because I really didn't get a great basil harvest. And I'd love to have a bunch of basil to put some pesto up. Um, whether I freeze dry it or whatever. Um, so I'd love to do just a bed of basil. It just has so many uses. We put, I made some pineapple salsa this weekend. Um, it's so delicious in salsa. So I'd really like to have a nice crop of basil. Um, we had planned on adding a flower box this year. We did um, zinnias and sunflowers. I tried some wildflowers. Have you ever been successful with wildflowers, Missy? Because let me tell you, I have not. I have not. I have. I bought an um, envelope of them when we lived in Washington Borough, and I spread them out along the side of the house, and nothing. Yeah, I got like two little flowers. I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. Uh, my zinnias, on the other hand, did phenomenal. I have one bed of zinnias, and then I did like some rows of zinnias, like one single row along the edges, and they're so pretty. Um, I so next year, just something we didn't get to this year is add on a flower bed, like maybe a foot by like the length of the garden. So like a foot by 30 foot or whatever, and just have like a nice bed of flowers by next summer. Zuzu will be two. Um, and so if you've ever seen it's a wonderful life, that's the movie that Zuzu's name came from. And Zuzu's petals is part of that movie. And I would love for Zuzu to have her, maybe not her own little business at two, but you know what I mean? Like she can just have her little sign with her little flowers and it would just be adorable in her little recycled, you know, spaghetti jars or whatever. Um, so that's a little dream about flowers for next year. Since we actually successfully grew flowers this year, this is the first year we did flowers. Um, Missy helped me also when we were here, we took some of my strawberry runners and put them in little pots. Um, so we like took the runner, put the dirt in the pot, kind of, just like shoved it down in the dirt, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then it rooted, basically. And so now I have all these new strawberry plants. So I'd love to expand my strawberries. Um, this was the first year that I really got serious about strawberries and put in like several plants. So I probably have, I don't know, 10, 20. I don't even know. There might even be 30 out there at this point. Um, strawberry plants. I'd love to have a really nice harvest of strawberries. Um, we have a lot of places that we can get strawberries locally from different Amish farms and things that we've developed relationships with, but they're expensive. I mean, strawberries yeah. are even for seconds, I think this year I was paying like three fifty dollars or $4 a quart. Um, and again, I hate the word expensive. They definitely had great value. They were delicious, but I would love to supplement it with a little bit more of my own. 
So I'd love to just expand our fruit. And, and, and right. So with fruit, I just, I don't have a ton of fruit growing here. Um, we haven't dove into a small orchard. Um, I have a bank here next to the pool that I'd love to, we have stupid, um, Oh man, I can poke cherries. And apparently you can make like jelly or jam out of them. Oh, they're so frustrating. They like drop these nasty cherries. We step on them. They smash the bees hound them. It's, it's miserable. Um, I'd love to take those out and start an orchard, but, and I guess I could do it for the next person, you know, a good orchard takes seven or eight years to establish. And so, you know, we're considering thinking about moving on to a different homestead here in the next four or five-ish years, you know, do I want to put in all that work and maybe the next person isn't into homesteading, doesn't take care of the trees, and then I did all this work, labor, money, and they just sit there and rot. So while I would love to produce more fruit like apples and peaches and pears, um, I'm sort of undecided about what I want to do about that. Um, Something else I would change, which is a super simple change, is I would do thicker mulch. I did two layers of mulch this year. Like as plants started to come up, I did a layer of mulch and then I did another layer of mulch on top. Um, I definitely want to do some thicker mulch and just really try to... I've been able to do watering mostly every other day unless it's been super hot. And, you know, I attribute that to doing a, a decent layer of mulch, but I definitely want some more mulch. I would love to explore using wood chips for mulch. This year I did straw, last year I did straw. Um, I'd love to do some wood chips. I've never done grass clippings um, just because I always felt like I was introducing weeds or potentially introducing weeds. Maybe if it was super dead, it would be a non-issue. Um, dead leaves would also be an option. So I would just love to thicken my mulch layer um, and just try to help with not having to do as much watering. Um, something else that I won't change, I don't think, is last year we did um, drip irrigation. I was pregnant and so I had Zuzu in the middle of July. So drip irrigation was like a must have because I wasn't standing out there like two days postpartum watering the garden in a hundred degree heat. So I loved having drip irrigation, but it is a lot of work. And when you have a large, I mean, I feel like 2000 feet for drip irrigation for me feels like a lot of work um, and expense. Um, so this year we actually put in some T posts and we did sprinklers on each corner of the garden. And I have to say, I'm kind of loving it. Um, I know you, you know, there's the whole debate about, do we want to wet the leaves or, you know, watering at which time, whatever I've been going out when I do evening chores, I set two sprinklers for 30 minutes, turn it off, set the other sprinklers for 30 minutes. And that's been working really well. I'm really digging that system. Plus there's just something satisfying about watching the. Yeah. So I love that. I love hearing that sound. Um, it's oddly comforting. Um, so I am digging that. And I think we're going to just leave that and ditch the drip irrigation. If you have a smaller garden, man, drip irrigation was pretty awesome. Yeah. But it can get kind of pricey. Um, now, my dad had given us a bunch of supplies last year. So to get the top garden started, it wasn't a huge expense for us. Um, but if you're buying all that stuff new, man, it's not cheap. No. Um. So yeah, that's what we would change for next year. I would also love to do, I don't know. Ha did you do intercropping at all? Or like, I don't even know if that's the right word necessarily on such a small scale, but did you kind of, did you companion plant? I did not. Yeah. 
I had tried to put like, you know, peppers in with my tomatoes and all this cutesiness or whatever. And again, my poor pepper plants, they're just drowned by these indeterminate tomatoes. So I'm definitely going to just do like beds of tomatoes. I'll rotate my beds like I did this year and not put like nightshades back where I had nightshades and whatever. Um, Again, you can only do that so much when your garden is when you're doing raised beds and it's not it's big but it's not big um so i would definitely last year i did just beds of peppers and they did phenomenally um and i think i would do the same thing next year maybe do a little maybe i went a little overboard on my intercropping um so i'd probably change that so it it always just kind of cracks me up like you go into gardening season and you think you just have this like solid plan and you're super excited about it and you're like there's no way that I could make this garden any better this is so perfect and then you're like a couple months in and you're like that was stupid why did I do that (laughs) yeah so um yeah that's what we would change um so I guess Missy I mean stay tuned for Missy's garden adventures she's definitely going to have that like learning curve year of figuring out like she said where's the sun where's the water um you know, does the house cast shade on it or the barn cast shade on it or, you know, figuring those kinds of things out. Um, so that'll be, a you know, an adjustment for them for sure. Um, and for me, it'll just be, can I talk my husband into expanding the garden anymore? It's probably going to be a hard no from him. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to have to figure out how to make the space work that I have. So Next week, we are going to dig into gardening with kids, gardening with your family, and um, kind of just the mental health of gardening. And maybe that sounds kind of weird. Like, why are you talking about mental health with gardening? Like, it's gardening. If you're gardening, you should be enjoying it. And it's peaceful and digging your hands in the dirt and all that. While that is all true, when your toddler tears up your plans and you have no clue where anything is, that can get kind of stressful. Um, when you have multiple kids and you're trying to squeeze in life and the garden and the animals and all of that, that can get kind of stressful. So, um, or if you maybe have a spouse that doesn't love gardening, but you really do love gardening, like how do you find the balance of that? Um, you know, Zad is definitely my infrastructure guy and I'm the gardener. Um, for Missy and Jeremy, like they both really enjoy gardening. So that's something they can do together. But, you know, they'll find things on their homestead that Missy's like, hey, I love this. And Jeremy might be like, meh, I'm not so into it. I'll support you, but I'm maybe not so into it. Like um, a cow. Oh, man. Jeremy's not. Oh, right. I forgot. He's not into a dairy cow. No. Are you there? Are you there? Oh, there. Okay. Uh, Jeremy's not into a dairy cow, right? No. I mean, he's slowly getting there, but he's like, do you realize the commitment? And I'm like, I do. And I love it. Oh my gosh. We need to like these two, these men. I've (laughs) been trying to, you know, if anybody knows me, they know I've been trying to talk Zad into a dairy cow now for probably two years. Uh, You know, I've been looking at Dexter's and there's also one I just learned about Belfair's. I think they're called. Um, they're kind of like a mix between a size wise, a mix between a Dexter and a Jersey. So I don't have the commitment of a large Jersey, but a little bit more production than a Dexter. So, um, yeah, trying to talk my husband into that. We're going to have to sit down and and have a conversation with these men about the importance of the milk production. Right. So anyway, that's what we have to look forward to next week. Um, so we hope you join us. Hope you um, enjoyed this episode and learned something, uh, you know, as we always hope you learn something every week and we'll catch you guys later. Bye friends.